ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome, and hopefully you know what you clicked on. If not, this is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. It's a craftier podcast about Cincinnati. We drink and we talk and we drink some more. (laughs) Basically, the reason I started a beer podcast is so that I can get out of the house and drink and have some kind of uh, logical excuse for it and uh, not get in trouble for my wife. So um, that's why we're here. And where we are today has been a... Um, I, I've probably said this on the show with other places before that it's been a long time coming. You guys are finally open. This is really exciting. Nobody even comes close to, uh, to, to this place and getting their doors open. And um, you guys have had beer out there kind of floating around a little bit for a while. But to have this tap room open has been so, so, so long coming. Uh, Northern Row. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Let's let's um, let's run around the table. We'll go this direction. Everybody, introduce yourselves so people can hear your voice and uh, and know who you are. I'm David Berger. Brendan Douglas. I'm Justin Devilbus. And Josh Quattlebaum. Thank you guys for uh, for taking some time to sit down and do this. It's been a really weird time. In addition to you guys fighting to get your doors open for such a long time. Then right at that same time, we've got all of this coronavirus stuff that uh, that happened and shifted the focus of a lot of parts of the business, slowed down what it means to open a tap room. Um, we'll talk about all of that, but we need to uh, to have a beer first because, like I said, it's a beer podcast. From the beer fridge. We, the segment is called From the Beer Fridge because we used to do this in studio where we have a beer fridge, but um, from the beer taps, I guess. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what do we, uh, we're going to start out with our, uh, our Pilsner. All right. That we've got, it's called the butcher. So you guys with the, uh, the names of your, uh, your beers, you, um, I guess the, the theme of the, the brewery is this, uh, outcasts welcome kind of thing. Um, the Northern Liberties of Cincinnati is this Northern... I, I assume that most of the people that listen to a show like this have kind of heard kind of that history of Cincinnati before about, um, you know, Liberty Street was when civilization stopped, and above that it was lawlessness. And, fun, uh, <laughs> fun. <laughs> I'm so, doing my part to try to keep that alive, well, you know? The, well, I think we all are. Yeah. <laughs> but so each, each of the beers take a name from somebody, I guess, that would have been found... In the up, neighborhood, up yeah. here at that time, exactly. Um, it's full of characters. It's uh, it's just a neat neighborhood. It's it's a hodgepodge of people from all different countries, all different backgrounds, and I think that's that's what knits the neat fiber or the fabric of OTR. You guys also have um, a definite German leaning towards um, a lot of the beer styles that I've seen you guys um, cranking out so far. A lot of traditional kind of uh, Cincinnati. Things going on, you know, be it be it a Pilsner or um, Hefeweizens, which I feel like for so long, sorry, Hefeweizen. Before I get my email from from Luke correcting Luke Schroffer <laughs> correcting my uh, German grammar pronunciation, um, I'll be enforcing that on this uh, particular <laughs> show. So. Uh, but the, these traditional German styles that, uh, whether or not people in Cincinnati ever were as really into them as, as we are now is, is a whole different argument, but it definitely speaks to that heritage of Cincinnati and what things were at the time. Um, so German Pilsner, talk about the beer, talk about the style a little bit. Tell me, um, 
tell me why 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 bro pilsner uh well you know um our head brewer, Greg Weissman, he actually couldn't join us today, but um, he came in with, uh, with a lot of great um, recipes that he had been building up on uh, throughout the, the past uh, countless years. And uh, I think the, the Pilsner, is, it just kind of solidifies that German, you know, heritage. It's the Bohemian Pilsner. It, it, it truly kind of represents what beer was back in the day uh when when you know the 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 uh kind of the ancient german uh heritage and everything was coming up with uh i think when you look back into beer history uh and you look especially kind of in the the european countries and everything like that uh germans were using very uh traditional styles uh traditional ingredients to make their their beers and everything and and uh, the pilsner there's there's no hiding behind it it's it's it is what it is and um you know it's become a, an extremely popular beer style nowadays especially with the american pilsner being kind of so commercialized but um we can take that popularity and take it back to its originality and still market it in a sense where people can enjoy it people that don't really know much about beer can come in and order that beer and have a sense of security they know that it has some sense of of like oh i'm going to enjoy this beer because it's a pilsner but because it's a bohemian pilsner because it's a german pilsner it gives them an idea of what beer used to taste like back in the day well when somebody walks into a tap room like you get you get those people that walk in and just oh what's what's the lightest thing you have and that's you know their their comfort zone or what's What's the closest thing you have to Bud Light or whatever that, that thing is when they walk in that they're afraid of, of craft beer? And that might be this beer, but then they can sit down at that bar when you're allowed to sit down at a bar next to somebody. They can sit down at that bar next to some super, super beer geek that's sitting there, you know, swirling his pilsner and getting the, the cracker malt and all this stuff. And it's the same beer and these people can have the two very different experiences, but have that that connection between the two. And that's that's a that's a cool thing, you know? Right, right. I, I, think, I think that it's kind of, uh, you know, back in production, we've talked a lot about, like, offering people a lot of different types of lagers, you know? Like, right. in many breweries, you may just get one or two or a seasonal rotation of them, you know, to constantly have, uh, you know, different lagers and kind of plant our flag in that. Uh, that'll, that'll offer just more opportunities for people to try different, uh, different lagers and you know, in a single session, try a Hellas against a Pilsner, uh, against a Kolsch, which is kind of a, an ale masquerading as a lager, <laughs> um, you know, and to kind of formulate, uh, you know, some sort of compass uh, among all of that. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in many places you can get a whole gamut of different types of IPAs, West Coast, East Coast, hazy, you know, clarified, uh, low calorie now, you know, uh, Where's a place where you can try five different types of lager and then have that option as well, you know? Well, there's been this this change in craft beer in the last five years or, you know, whatever the amount of time you want to you slap on it. But um, we've, we've drifted into this world. And maybe it's always kind of been happening with craft beer of, you know, beer's kind of loaded with other stuff, be it uh, chocolate or 
Lucky Charms or whatever it is, or even you, you talk about the hazy IPAs and that kind of stuff, just this other thing going on. And it's it's refreshing, I guess, for me and, and for, I think, a lot of beer geeks to kind of go back to some of that tradition and some of those styles that kind of spawned all of this other stuff and kind of kind of root yourself back in that, which... Um, I mean, I guess is the that is really the theme of this place is rooting everything back in what was and you know um, exactly and uh, I think kind of shattering the notion that uh, perhaps you know loggers are boring or you know kind of a commodity uh, beer against say an IPA I I beg to differ and I think that we can hopefully prove people wrong that uh, you know there's a whole lot of diversity and a whole lot of. Uh, you know, variety and beer inclusion. Yes. Beer inclusion. How about that? I've started really liking beers that not that they're a commodity or however you want to, you want to put it, but I, I like beers that kind of can be, if you want them to be like, I like a beer that I can go float in a pool and just, just pound all day. Approachability is a fantastic thing. I like a beer that I can fill a pitcher of and just sit there while I'm playing cards and just, just, just drink. But then I like that that same beer can then fit into another situation sure. too. And it can, I can be full of flavor. Kind of, if you want to dissect it, you can, you know. But if you want to just guzzle it down, then you can too. That's a hard line to toe, though. Sure. Like it's a hard kind of, and you know, that's I think the beauty of Pilsner is that it is such a. It's a simple beer. It's you know, at, at the core of what a Pilsner is, you've got Pilsner malt, traditionally size hops and. That's it. <laughs> you just you you just go right on, and the, you can you can drift away from that a little bit and put your own spin on things. But it's a celebration of all these all of the ingredients. It's a celebration of the water, of the yeast, of the hops, of the malt. Like, and it all comes together into this perfect balance. And it, it's it's really a thing of beauty that I think um, a lot of those folks that are still drinking their uh, you know, macro American loggers kind of miss out on and don't really appreciate what the style can be. So, um, this is a, a great example of it. I, it's it's warmed up a little bit, I think, sitting on the tray, but I really like that too. It uh, it lets all of that stuff shine really well for me. Um, to your, I'm I'm digging this a lot. To oh, your point, you. Uh, you know, our uh, we we've kind of tried to really get back to the originality of german brews and uh the the only thing that's not german in this pilsner is the water actually you know because we have to obviously use the water here in the city but all water comes from the same place right exactly. it was in germany at one time right, right, right. At, at one point or another but <laughs> so we'll go with it it's german water <laughs> um talk about how this place came about where where did this idea start from? Um, how did we get from that to where we are today? Uh, started, it started out as a uh, sort of an idea to put together a distillery. Um, we were on a, a really cool uh, bourbon trail, went into Woodford, went in their fermentation room, just really had a, a phenomenal trip. And that was sort of, I'll say that was the moment that I, as I remember it, um, we that's the first inkling that we said we were interested in trying to do something like this. Um, came back, joked around. Nobody was really doing it at the time either, especially here in Cincinnati. That, that, that I mean, New Riff, I guess, was were they open at that point or just opening? They were just opening or building, yeah. Um, and it was, we were the first to get a brewery, distillery, and a winery license in, in this part of Ohio. Um, so that in itself took quite a long time to get done. Um, 
and I, and I have to tip my hat to the guys uh, up at uh, Middle West Spirits. Uh, I was talking to them, and I said, you know, tell me, tell me what not to do or what to do <laughs> or your biggest mistake, you know, help me out here. Um, and he said, you know, you ought to think about opening a brewery as well. Um, sort of we came back and thought about that, and, and it sort of made some sense. Looking back at those decisions right now, those have really been key, especially in this last, say, the last six months. Um, it's given us tremendous flexibility. Um, but now as we have the tap room open and we're seeing the benefit of having all three of these, I mean, these guys, hats off to them. I, I don't really tell them what to do. They, they come up with all these great concoctions, be it from, this, from their, their ideas or what they hear on the street. Um, but they're, you know, they're making things for behind the bar now. They're working on all kinds of mixers. They're doing, you know, we're doing five different types of spirits. Um, so it, it was just sort of a, a movement. I, I love Cincinnati. I, I mean, our family's been here for, uh, I'm sixth generation. So we love the history of the city. Um, OTR in itself is such a, just a neat, neat spot. Um, great synergy. Um, so I think we wanted to make something special here. Um, that is sort of maybe our nod to the past, but also a step into the future that we're, we're saying this is what we're part of. And hopefully people look back. If they're looking back at us at 100 years from now and say, this guy did it right, you know, we're, we're all going to be smiling. I won't be. I'm, well, I'm, I'm out of here in a couple of years. Personally, if, 100, <laughs> if 100 years from now people are looking back at me, I don't care what they said. If they remember me, then that's, that's good enough. I don't care if I did it all wrong, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but even like, you know, what is, what is, how do you figure out what is right and what's wrong, especially in an industry like this that is still so young, really? Like this idea of having a brewery, distillery, tap, like that's a new thing. That's not something that's, that's happened in our country uh, ever, really, as far as I, I know. I mean, you know, even when you talk about, you know, the historical side of Cincinnati, you have breweries and you had, bars and you had beer gardens and that it was never none of that stuff kind of combined into one space like this. what's well, the difference is, of having a microwave or having a microwave a kitchen stove an oven and a refrigerator i mean we're able to do a lot of different things so we sort of say we have a really cool kitchen because we are able to looking at what the guys are bringing from the brewing background on on fermentations and adding that to what's traditionally been done in the distillation fermentations and you see that it goes both directions, but the problem solving is there. The creativity, you're able to pull some of the beer yeasts, which, which perform very different than the distillation yeasts. Right. Um, and you, you know, in a brewery, you really keep very tight control in your fermentation. On the distillation, it's much wilder. It's sort of, it's what happens. But now as these guys are starting to take some of the advantages of, you know, being able to keep temperature controls really tight on things it's it's really been neat to watch how that's evolved i mean we've had we've had things that you would maybe if you were a brewery only you'd say oh i just screwed that up and we're dumping that <laughs> and we've been able to say hey it's not a problem we're going to basically take this you know we had a, a a discoloration on a Kolsch brew that we were doing and oh greg was beside himself it was a monday he never brews on monday he was like i came in by 10 o'clock in the morning he was he was doing tail spins um and it's and it was just because there was a little bit of dark malt left in the uh, in the auger, and so we had this Kolsch that was nice amber color. And uh, so instead of pitching it, we said, "Well, we won't throw the hops in," and we basically fermented it out and turned it into an amazing whiskey. It'll be an American whiskey. And 
And I think those types of things that that they're working with really gives a, a neat traction. And um, I think the, the products will, will be neat. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, we're really ultimately green because if there's a problem with the beer, you can run it through the still and turn it into something else. Right. Uh, sometimes that's not particularly good either. We've, we've had some of those. So. It's a shame when that happens. I'll say that much. Yeah, you've really but. gone down the wrong rabbit hole by that point. So you guys have uh, I talked at the top of the show about how long it's taken for this tap room to uh, to, to happen. Um, talk about some of the, the hurdles a little bit of getting this rolling and um, the journey, I guess, from you guys having this building and knowing what it was supposed to be and then getting here today where there's people finally sitting here enjoying the, the drinks in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're so happy people are it's been in here. A very, so I, I, when I say it's been a very long journey, it has been a very long journey. If you go back on the blog, I think the first time I wrote about you guys was 2016, was the first time I got in the building. There was equipment. There was a brewery here. Uh, and here we are, 2020. Yeah, oh, it's a long time. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing, uh, in the words of Popeye. Um, yeah, no, we, we uh, our initial thing when we tried to get our first permitting for those. That was a long journey. Um, when they say something got tabled, well, literally our application did get tabled. I started calling them. We put our application in March. By October, I'm calling them saying, what's going on with this? And I couldn't get through. I couldn't get through to the TTB. By December, I'm getting really cranky. And they're here in Cincinnati. And finally, I got through to somebody and said, oh, yeah, that person left. <laughs> And it turned out that the, our application had been shelved on somebody's desk and they literally left. And this lady just was like picking up all these apps. But we, uh, it took us 11 months to get our first permit release. Um, and, and we really needed that before we could jump into the, to doing this space. Um, then we went from that, that hot cauldron into working with the city um, and trying to take a building that was built in 1895 and and getting it up to speed with today's codes. Right. Um, and we had just uh, a lot of challenges to get over with that. Um, we really felt if you come in the space, you'll just notice it's a massive building. It's the walls are 39 inches thick brick, uh, super heavy beams and rivets. And it's just, it's massive. It's made Beautiful steel beams. So a lot of the construction you see in Over the Rhine are these, I mean, they're gorgeous in their own right, too, of these big, you know, concrete buildings, you know, these big giant beams. And uh, you walk in here and it's a very different construction type than most of the stuff you see. It's so unique and something that I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of other buildings in the city that are like this. And that I think that was one of the things that, we, you know, when you say you plant your flag, um, the city said, well, you need to get, you know, it needs to get a, a fire protection. You have to cover those up with drywall or fire, fire uh, spray. And we just, we just really didn't want to do that because we felt that the, it was such an important example. So it, it took a lot of going back and forth and, and really um, working with a variety of, you know, engineers and the, and the city officials to try to find a way to keep it so that we could leave the stuff exposed. We added sprinkler systems. We did a lot of different things. Those are normally the things you do, but there were additional uh, challenges with it. Um, so we finally got through, but that really added a lot of time to it. Um, an old building like this, 
I mean, everything had to come in new. Our, our, we had to bring in new sprinkler lines from the other side of the building versus where the streetcar was. We just, it, it was just a lot of things. Um, but we sort of stayed, stayed the course. And meantime, we started brewing and distilling. And um, Brendan came on board, what, two, two and a half years ago? He's been quiet over here. Not he, quite. He's kind of shy. <laughs> It'll be two years in, in this fall, okay. so 2018. And uh, he started selling beer out in the market. And, and it, it just, uh, you know, we were one in the tap room because we really felt that's an important thing. You know, he, he can go out and he can sell one, two handles, and that's, that's great. But, but what we wanted to do is really sort of have a place that people can come in and try all the different beers and, and sort of get the full spectrum. You know, we'll always have a dark beer and we'll always have light lagers and anywhere in between. So, um, it's, you know, it's, there's also, there are some breweries that, um, when you go to, to sell the beer outside of the tap room, it's uh, it's a very different type of um, I don't know how to word. It. So for a place like this, I feel like the beer and this space and the building and the history, like I feel like it all goes together so um, so tightly. Like it's it, to me, it's really really difficult to explain Northern Row without having this space for people to see and to understand and to, to, to come in here and see these floors with these, you know, these big scratch marks through them from God knows what over the year. Like there's just that everything you look at has, has this history that just oozes out of it. That like, it, to me, that, that is such a big part of the beer. It's, you can have the most perfect Pilsner up there and the most perfect Hefeweizen and Hefeweizen. And it doesn't, it doesn't really tell the story at all yeah you can you can go and sell it but it doesn't it it doesn't really capture what that beer is about until you can sit here and have it here and then you go to you know your your pies and pints or wherever it is that you're sitting down and having it and then it's like it 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 calls you back to that moment and to the space and to that history like so it's it's just it's a really tough kind of kind of road for a place like this to um I think Brendan to, to always not put, have the stab room. <laughs> yeah, Brendan yeah, always put it point. well because he said, you know, nobody understands our tap handles. Why does our tap handle look like it does? Well, when you come in here, you understand why it looks like it. But if not, you're like, what is that? Right. And that, and it basically represents the the steel beams and girders that are here, and and it's a pretty hefty uh, hefty handle. We've been sort of working through that. But I'm going to let Brendan talk more on <laughs> Well, that. no, no. You, you summed it up summed it up well, actually. Um, and those are a lot of themes that we, we touch on. Um, and yeah, you know, going out going out into the market without a tap room um, it is tough, but uh, now we have our tap room, so that's all behind us. Do uh, you think it makes it easier now that the tap room is open? People are at least a little bit familiar with who you are and like they've been hearing about you even if they've never tried the beer. Like they're, they're familiar the, with it somehow? Yeah, I mean... Slowly, it's all it's all slow. This is our fourth week, but built a lot of anticipation into the brand. Um, but uh, I thought you you made a good point. Um, it's not just about good beer. Obviously, if you're passionate about the industry and about craft beer, I mean, great beer is is at the very top of the list. But you need more than that. Um, you mentioned the story. Like, what what's your story? Really, it plays into identity. And then it also plays into why would I drink Northern Row at Pies and Pints or why would I drink Northern Row at 
Oakley Pub and Grill. Well, what will help you answer why is the story. The best way to figure out our story is to come down to our tap room and see all the things you, you just described about our tap room and our brand. Um, I, I've, I'm super excited and passionate about the brand we're building, especially because it's, it's cohesive. It makes sense. Um, it's, it's real. Like that's, there's, it's, uh, I, we won't name names. I, I, I was, I was going to, but I won't. There are like, there are other brands, there are other great brands around town that have, have this, this, this brand built around some kind of thing that some people sat in a conference room and tried to think of the most clever words they could think of and stuff like that. And it doesn't mean anything. And you come into a place like this and it just makes sense. It just, it, 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 of course, you know, like it, it all just kind of plays into the whole story of where you are and what you are and, and what, what the city is in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it, it just comes together perfectly. And that's, that's a really hard thing to do. Well, it makes us happy to hear you say that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, Cincinnati is a city of outcasts in a lot of ways. We, you know, I, when I explain the city to a lot of people, when I'm talking to people that aren't from here, and we've just got a chip on our shoulder. We like we, nothing. Nothing works out the way you think it's going to work out. You know, be it sports or be it you know what whatever it is. Like we just subway system. <laughs> subway. I mean, you can just look at countless things that just should have been better than what they were, and then you've got this one thing that to me is this shining beacon of what Cincinnati is, and that's our beer. Like we've got this this beer that has. Um, which you know, I guess even that you could call it that you know at one time you know this whole this this aspect of us being a, a beer city kind of disappeared and collapsed upon itself and turned into just Sam Adams trying to keep something alive in this city. So even that maybe you know there's there's a chip on our shoulder about everything and the the brand kind of to me kind of calls to that and brings that forth and gives you some kind of pride about being an outcast i guess <laughs> excellent excellent um what's this other beer that just got put in front of me so we just did the uh this is our hellas lager so we call this the hustler so every city's got a hustler you be on the corner or wherever he is <laughs> every city should have many hustlers that's right <laughs> this city definitely has a few this yep. is uh this industry definitely has a few too <laughs> and you really um, saw that through the COVID. <laughs> i mean watch the way people just sort of changed and pivoted and things I, I recognize right. that this this crap that has happened has been really difficult, especially for breweries and bars and stuff like that. But there is something that was really uh, exciting to kind of watch about that, too. People getting scrappy again and people fighting to try to figure something out and to do something different and to... Um, quickly to yeah and to you do know it, just jumped it, in it was it like fast and to just figure it out and like that that's a big part of craft beer to me that's that's something that we kind of drifted away from it got a little polished for a while and it's um, not as polished right now and i i kind of like that oh love it, love it. <laughs> um tell me about <clears throat> the beer a little bit what what makes a hellas lager versus a uh, german pilsner what's the difference I guess I'll, we're all looking at each other right now. Um, I can kind of talk about it, by no means an expert, but compared to the German pills we, we drank earlier, you'll notice it's a softer beer. Um, not, not that the German pills is super aggressive on hops, but you compare the two together, and the German pills is definitely hoppier. Um, I was talking to Greg about it the other day, um, and, and also from what I've read, 
the Hellas Lager was kind of the the region, the Munich region reaction to the the Czech Pilsner right. coming out of Pilsen. Um, so it's softer. I mean, they're similar styles. They're both clean lagers. They're both, um, and actually in our case, they're both uh, Weirman, uh Pilsner Pilsner malt. Um, uh, they just have the Hellas just has softer hops, lower There's IBUs. No different. Is the water Noble profile hops. different at all? Do you know? You know, I would say slightly. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. speak to that, but these guys might be able to. It yeah. definitely tastes the um, that that. There's something about that body of it too. And the the it's, it. Greg Greg really likes to uh, keep things under a tight lid. You know, like. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to eke as his assistant, I've got to <laughs> right. eke questions and, and answers out of him sometimes. Right. And like, you know, so there, there are very subtle differences in the hops, very subtle differences in the water treatment. So it's, um, it's fun that you guys have them both on tap that you can sit oh, and yeah. kind of compare the For two. For sure. And I think there's a, there's a noticeable difference. I mean, if you don't believe me, sit down and drink a few more of them and you'll, you know, it'll become apparent right. that there's, there's a little bit of a difference between the two. They're in the same camp for sure. Um, it, when you think about the world at that time, we're getting down a whole rabbit hole here, but you know, the, that time when um, Pilsner became a thing, you've got, you know, these people trying to replicate what was happening in Germany with lager. And then this, this, this light malt comes out in, uh, you know, in the um, Bohemia at the time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that gets coupled with this, this lagering process and creates this, this Pilsner. And then, Germany's reacting to that, and then other people start to see that, and everybody's trying to react to each other and trying to replicate. Everybody's trying to replicate Pilsner or Kell, I guess, you know, and trying to right. create this thing, and everybody kind of puts their own spin on it. And this thing that was all supposed to try to be the same thing becomes these very different kind of regional. But even even the Kolsch, which I've been kind of sipping on the whole time, is it is a reaction to all of that. It's trying to create this this light, easy beer. Sure, <laughs> it's 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 fascinating and something that we don't get to experience as much now. I mean, maybe we do a little bit, you know, you talk about new England IPAs and stuff when that started happening in the last, you know, few years started happening bigger in the last few years. Um, there was a lot of people trying to adjust and trying to replicate and, and it turned into these very different spins on that too. And, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine what beer was like, then and the excitement around it and i don't sure and you you know kind of excited about it i don't know perhaps i mean (laughs) yeah but you know at the same time there were also you know there there have also been many advances in technology and can you know that has allowed consistency that perhaps didn't exist back then either um which i'm not necessarily saying it did or didn't but you know if it were you know, if a brewery were able to produce a consistent product time and time again back in those times, like that's that's an incredible feat, you know. Um, and uh, using old wooden yeah, barrels yeah. again and again. I mean, exactly. Just, uh, and you know, like there there was a you know there was a kind of a landmark moment with Pilsner Urquell too, where they went from oak fermentation to right. stainless steel, and that you know that was a noticeable change, you know, uh, and. Uh, you know, to your point, it's it's really fascinating. To yeah, well, and while we're still talking about loggers, it's easy for people, especially in who are in the states and in the craft beer world, to forget that the vast majority of beer consumed in the world is still pilsner. I mean, I think it's something crazy, like ninety percent, despite yeah. 
despite what we've seen in the States and in the UK and even in Western Europe with craft beer, uh, the vast majority of people in the world are still drinking Pilsner. There are still pe- more people drinking Pilsner than are drinking seltzer. As, uh, as difficult as that <laughs> oh, is to yeah. Music to my ears. That yeah. is great. I hope that that remains for uh, forever. It's the one obligatory seltzer call out on this episode. <laughs> we won't talk about it anymore, I promise. Actually, I can't promise that because that brings up the question, are you guys going to make seltzer? Because it feels like everybody is. I guess we'll say never say never, but I'm not. That's not going to be a very happy day in my. Uh, just for those listening, we all kind of just glanced at each other. <laughs> Once again, I think we got um, a lot of things we can make. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I um, there's been a lot of discussion about seltzer, especially in, in my house, because my wife just kind of figured it out this year. She just got, I guess, discovered seltzer for the first time, and just pour my, about a gallon of water into a God. beer and give it to her and see what she thinks. Oh, that's a beer <laughs> seltzer. We were my, we were talking my about this. Is so full of seltzer right now. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, and one of the things you know that you brought up was that there's a story behind our beers. You know, there's a little bit the the space and the beer and the food and everything kind of reach the synergy. Hard seltzer is just kind of a brand new thing, so it's hard to attach it to this place and say like we're kind of this pre-prohibition building that is producing classic lagers and by the way we got a hard seltzer that's mango flavored that's gonna <laughs> knock your socks off but you guys also have you have a, a hazy ipa right uh we don't yet but we're definitely going to you know we will go in that, that direction eventually technically juicy it's okay yeah. sorry juicy <laughs> no idea. worries but uh you know it if you can find a way to tell the story through something like that, you could figure it out with sure. seltzer if you wanted to. Well, and I, not to defend seltzer because I don't understand it at all. Well, you know, but people are drinking it. And, and actually, you know, to to your point, uh, there was a business back in the 1860s that was uh, just across the street at uh, what it was at 207, 205 West McMicken called Best and Loads. They were a mineral water. Uh, you know, there were purveyors of mineral water, you know, producers of it, and they sold it right in the corner here on uh, on Elm and uh, McMicken. So, you know, perhaps if we were to make something like that, it might be a nod to those guys. Right. We're going to um, start out drilling a well 350 feet through the aquifer. We don't want the good aquifer. We want the really sulfury one. Down Dave, here. you're going to have to out- outsource that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I mean, to, to the point of our entire being is that, that all outcasts are welcome. And, you know, a seltzer in even in today's beer society, it might be an outcast, but it's something that people enjoy. And uh, that's something that that we're, you know, if, if people like it and people want it, then we are uh, willing to uh, accommodate to the masses. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're here to to supply people with what they want and um if that's what they want then that's what they're going to get so, i think, I think yeah, yeah, yeah i guess it. that's true it's a very good way to put it i think that's a key thing i mean yep. we say you're never going to hurt our feelings try come in and try a splash of each of our beers if you don't like it push it forward we'll dump it out because the last thing you want is you trying or having to have something that you're not it doesn't match your taste profile everybody has a different taste profile there's not a wrong right or indifferent if we can't find a beer that you like we'll move to spirits if we can't find a spirit you like 
We'll move to wine. If we can't find a wine, I don't know. We're running out of choices. We'll go to sodas. We'll if that seltzer. doesn't work, we'll go to water. Our Coca-Cola is really, really great here. Oh, it's well, the best, Mr. Pibb. My thing is, like, when you walk into, especially a place like this that does have so many things that you guys offer, when you come in, just try stuff. Like, every time you come in, don't, all, don't just walk in and pick that thing that you know you're going to enjoy. Like, try something else. Keep pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. And I think that is my, that's my biggest gripe about seltzer is that 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 discussion isn't happening around bars as much anymore when somebody walks into a tap room and says i don't really like beer that used to get people excited you used to see everybody behind the bar light up and oh i'm gonna convince you that you do and everybody trying to figure that thing out now it's just like okay well here's your here's your seltzer here's your white claw and i want that that thing to keep happening i want the uh, the excitement of trying something new and trying to push yourself out of that comfort zone too, that's uh, been to an happen. important part of what we've done with our staff i think our staff is all very passionate about be it beers spirits cocktails and it, it's i think that's something that hopefully when you come in you'll notice right away um it it is really about going through that we have a we have a full bar um we have spirits that aren't our spirits, which will compare against ours because you might say, I, I like this particular bourbon or gin, and we'll run that side to side, which is kind of neat for tasting. For the wines, we have a really neat wine selection. It's, it's like sort of, it's not in distribution. They're all specific small vineyards that we've worked, that, that we're showcasing because they show something special for that area. Um, and as we bring our, our other spirits in it'll certainly change but really it's about it's about celebrating people's taste profiles and I think right. that's to, to that point uh you know we we have been since we do have uh the full range of spirits and everything we've been trying to incorporate some of our beers with with uh, different cocktails i that's know uh, one of which we have right now is a uh, margarita that we use our uh, wit beer in uh, which is actually the beer that just got passed around um, and, and that's just, that's just one of the infusions that we've been trying to come up with. We've, we've been trying to incorporate, um, because when you walk into this place, it, it is a brewery and a distillery foremost and, and, and upfront, but at the same time, it reminds you of that kind of like that speakeasy cocktail lounge, um, where you can get a good, uh, a good drink and, you know, maybe, uh, eventually one day smoke a cigar on, <laughs> on one of the floors, but we'll, we'll leave that today, but. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, we're not trying to, and, and I think this has kind of been said many times before, we're not trying to, to put ourselves down one alley. We're trying to expand and express to everyone. And so um, you might not like beer, but you might like a cocktail with a beer in it. So, so I, if anybody watches, I have a, an Instagram show called Prost where I, just drink a different beer or make a drink or talk about some, some I drink something with you every week. And a couple of weeks ago I did a margarita and one of my secret ingredients in margarita is a, a splash of beer in it. But I've just always used some kind of uh, light Pilsner or some kind of light spritzy something or other just to give it a little, little fizz and a little, a little more uh, uh, kind of a, a malty thing in the background. Why have I never thought to use a wit beer? <laughs> I need to go back and I need to re-record that episode with a uh, wit beer because that is Absolutely. brilliant. <laughs> it, it's it, it's a top seller right now. Yeah, that is, that is yeah. such a good idea. The uh, the Pichurito, which is another another cocktail that Great. basically has some of the peach beer in it, and it and I think that's the fun that 
the our our bar staff is just they love cocktailing and so they love the they sort of celebrate the flavors and and how you can incorporate that and that is something that you'll you know you'll only get here um and it but it's uh it's amazing you see the numbers of these things going out and people really seem to appreciate it well it adds a whole other kind of aspect to going and having a drink at a place like that as much as the experience of drinking any one of these beers is going to be different sitting here at the bar than at home, sitting in my basement by myself, quietly sobbing to myself that I've got a screaming kid upstairs. Whatever. <laughs> and, and your wife is drinking hard seltzer. <laughs> drinking hard seltzer. <laughs> Throwing the cans down the stairs <laughs> <Right>. at you. <laughs> but as much as that experience is very different from you know being here, um, going somewhere and having a cocktail opens up this whole other door and this whole other kind of side of... Um, the experience of, of drinking and um, it, it's something that I that a lot of places around here haven't been able to tap into yet or don't have any desire to tap into yet and it's um, from the get-go it's a big part of who you guys are and that's that that's fun that's exciting I, I feel comfortable that I anybody I know you can bring them into a place like this and they're going to find something that they like. Even. I see guest bartender written all over your face. We're going to check out your margarita. I, I'm a great bartender, but I'm really slow. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll put you on the end and you get, you're responsible for four seats. I, I also drink way more than I serve. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about this next beer. You said it was the wit beer. Yeah, it's, it's called robber. It's our uh, Belgian wit beer. Um, so I have been definitely quoted from time to time saying I do not like Belgian styles. I think that that's a, a load of crap because I, every time I've tried one for the last uh, couple of years, I enjoy it. So nice, um, nice. I think that Belgian style is like what is Belgian style? It's a, an extremely diverse grouping of of beers. You know, um, that being said, our Belgian wit is pretty pretty spot on pretty standard it's uh it gives you that expectation of you know somebody who drinks a blue moon is definitely going to be uh happy with that but i i definitely think there's you know there's a lot of softness from the wheat there there's uh, some residual sweetness as yeah. well mm-hmm. yeah yeah that the again I, I think i've talked about the body of beers a lot in this episode but it has a really good kind of um a good i don't know I want to say ballsiness, but I feel like you're not supposed like to say ballsiness. that anymore. But <laughs> that's that's um, a that's a great adjective. It's kind of got a good good just a good heft to it. It's a mm-hmm. it's a beer that um, feels really drinkable, but then feels kind of solid too that you can just kind of fluffy sit with. is how I Absolutely. like to describe Fluffy's it. Fluffy is a good way to put it. Yeah, um, but it stays with you too. So it's not you know you get your initial initial taste and then your palate sort of settles out and it's still just intriguing. I, I think that's. Right. That's, I mean, that's ales versus lagers for you, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is one of those beers I think would go really go with food, um, which we should probably talk about a little bit. Sure. You guys like also food. have food, which I feel like uh, for a long time when places would open up, they would say, oh, we're not doing that. We don't, we don't want to worry about a kitchen in addition to running a, a brewery. And I think that mindset has definitely changed now. And especially with all of this stuff that has happened recently, there's a lot of people kicking themselves for not having food. And um, was that always in the plan or is it something that kind of developed through it, the process or? It was always in the plan. It's sort of uh, taken a couple twists and turns from the get go. Um, we, we knew that we needed to have a kitchen just because of regulations. 
Um, and so we felt, you know, we're in a really sort of super foodie neighborhood. Um, and so initially we went one direction um, and, and we just always felt that it needed to sort of be an expression, much like we do with our beer and our spirits, of a crafted product. Um, and so when COVID hit, we were just working out our food and we decided, well, we had to sort of change to a carryout menu. And so uh, EJ Moore, he's our uh, head chef, and he said, I'm gonna create an elevated picnic. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting idea, <laughs> elevated picnic. Um, but it's, it's a scratch kitchen. So he's making everything from, from scratch. And we really felt that was important. We're just so, we're surrounded by Finley Market and all these local Cincinnati purveyors. We have great bakeries. We have um, just, just so many great ingredients to work with. So he's sort of taken that on as a, as a lead. And, and so I think when you taste the, the, the food, you'll, you'll look down the menu and it's, it's somewhat comfort, but it, it is, uh, as, as you explore it, it's like, wow, that's, that's really good. I wouldn't have thought of that. And, and I think it's, it's been sort of fun watching as he's developed it. And I think it'll be ever changing. Um, you know, we sort of said, this is where we're going with right now. And this weekend we've got a, he's got a really neat sort of, it's a, a lamb slider, but it, when I say that, you know, I looked at it, I thought, oh, somebody gave me a sloppy Joe and I ate it and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what's with the Moroccan spices? And then I realized, oh, there's some, and it, it was just like, I think he just constantly sort of surprises me with little things. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I was surprised too. I think he's calling it Moroccan sloppy Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of ground beef, it's ground lamb. And then on, um, kind of, uh, on top of the ground or the ground lamb is, um, Tzatziki. This, it is tzatziki, but it's got, it is, but it's got um, ginger and clove, and it's really aromatic, and uh, it's creative. I, you know, I'm pretty Sounds sure like it would go really good with a sweet beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet it would. I bet it would. But uh, he brought some creativity to it, and uh, one of the one of the themes we've thrown around when we we're trying to build a menu is um, we we don't want to be you know, we don't want to raise our nose to anybody in, as far as what we offer on the food menu, but um, Dave and has took so much care for for the decor and all the attention to detail. And obviously, um, Greg, Josh, and Justin bring a lot of attention to detail what comes out of our stills and out of the brew house. Um, and we... Uh, we want our menu to reflect the the same values we brought to our beer and spirits and into the feel of the tap room itself. So um, that's a that's a theme we talk about a lot. And it's that, a lot that's to our balance, goal. though. Like, how do you yeah. how do you keep all of those things kind of reined in and not let something kind oh, of nothing. take yeah. off? And, and, like, <laughs> well, I, I've heard Dave say numerous times um, he's not when when uh, when people explain to him how hard some type of endeavor maybe he's usually not daunted by by uh adversity or by a challenge so um i'll stay on the porch <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's really easy when you've got a place with um a brewery a distillery a winery a kitchen all it's it's really easy to let one thing kind of uh dominate over everything else Be because there are ebbs and flows in what people want and what people are interested in. And like, you know, maybe, maybe this month 
people don't care about Pilsner, and it's really easy then to ignore that going forward and kind of lose sight of this bigger picture of how it all fits together. And I, th- um, it's I tough. think that's I think that's that is easy to let that happen. I think what's different about us is I'm going to say this and I'm going to put a shout out to everyone that works with us. Our team is spectacular. Everyone brings something to the, the table. It's, it's the, the synergy that happens here. I mean, it, we run a lot of hours. I mean, Greg, Greg, he'll come climbing in here at six o'clock in the morning and I'm freaking scratching my head. What the heck did earn? And, and everyone else is here till late. And, but through the whole day, there's this just constant ebb and flow of, of ideas. And, and I don't want to say it's a renaissance. We're not creating something that hasn't been created before. But everybody, I, and I hope it's today, and I hope it'll be in five years, everybody feels that their, their ideas and their opinions are, are worth bringing up. And, and I think the sum of all of our, our uh, creativity is, is way better. So it, it is, you could fall off that log if, if we were all you know, only looking at one thing, but I think we have a really broad range, and I think that's um, its experiences from, heck, Josh is from Arkansas. He brings certain things that aren't in Cincinnati market. Greg was from West Coast and, and as of late, Boulder. Brendan spent a bunch of time out in Colorado, brings these things. Justin, you came from all over and up north. And so it's it's really a, a duplication of what's made Cincinnati, Cincinnati. It's, it's, it's a lot of things. And we go into the cocktails. I got to say, the people behind the bar, they're coming up with neat things. Keith, our GM, has just been, he, he brings all kinds of experience. So it, it is, uh, it's collaborative. Shout out to Keith, yeah. GM. He's Keith, awesome. Keith is the man. He is. He's, um, for anybody who has been involved in kind of beer in this city for any amount of time, um, he's a very familiar face around town. Very much so. had, had his hand in a lot of, uh, a lot of really great places, uh, one of which we just lost down at Rock Bottom, which uh, is one of those, uh, if you didn't uh, grow up around beer in Cincinnati when there wasn't beer in Cincinnati you don't know the value that rock bottom had at that time and uh it's easy to uh to not respect what they kind of did for uh for for beer in Cincinnati so I've, I've got to laugh so Keith has been doing great American or uh the Cincy Beer Fest mm-hmm. for what is it 27 years or however many he's been in, a volunteer in that since I don't know when ever time started so he had just come on with us, and I get this call on Saturday, and I, I said, how's it going, Keith? Because he was running around. He would just come on board. He said, oh, I'm doing pretty well. He said, I did like 28,000 steps. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I started calculating. I said, I think you just ran a freaking marathon in the convention center. Make <laughs> sure people are okay. And, and I, I think that's a, you know, Keith is one, if you walk in here, he's going to make you feel comfortable, whether you've been here 100 times or it's your first time in. And, and he's really brought that to our, our whole service group there. Um, I hope you just feel like it's your living room when you come in here. Right. Well, this doesn't look at all like my living room, but <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, one more thing that makes the, this whole team effort gel is flexibility as well. You know, I'm one of the newest guys here. Uh, I came on a couple of months ago and, uh, you know, we were about ready to open our doors for the who knows how many time, you know, it was, it was right around March. And, uh, 
you know, I got to step in here and brew, you know, uh, distill a couple of a uh, couple of rounds of bourbon with Josh and do one batch of beer with Greg. And then before you know it, all of this went down and we're making hand sanitizer and we're making lots of it. And we've got we're pulling people from the bar. We're, you know, just trying to we're trying to do everything that we can to get this product turned out. And before you know it, we've got fruit and vegetable wash as well. And we've got, uh, you know, 900 pounds of peaches from Georgia that just came in that we had to press. So, you know, there's a lot of as much as we plan and as much as we get things going, you can't necessarily always plan on everything to go right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of just kind of rolling our sleeves up and making the work happen and getting it done when it gets done. And, uh, you know, that's something that I've seen with this crew that really, really makes it happen. And, and to that point, um, you know, as far as like you're saying with, with people, no, no aspect of it gets pushed ahead because we're always asking the other, we're just, you know, what, what's going to make, what's going to make your life easier. What's going to make your product sell better. What's going to be the best for the company. You know, it's, it's not like we're, we're trying to get the, the, the five story spirits out ahead of the beer. It's not like we're trying to get the beer out ahead of the five story spirits. It's not like we're trying to get any of the spirits or alcohol out of ahead of the kitchen. It's, it's, we're trying to work together to be collaboration on all fronts so that everything comes out as strong as it can and as, as best as it can, um, as soon as it hits the, as soon as it hits the customer's palate. So. I'm going to remind you guys of that when uh, that time comes when expansion is happening and you're trying to figure out what that means and how to direct that. And uh, <laughs> because that's that's when shit really starts to hit the fan when you uh, <laughs> we've pivoted so many times. I, and I think that's I have to put a huge shout out to everybody. I mean, it really is. I mean, Brendan's out there selling beer. And next thing you know, he's fielding 300 calls and emails about you guys here. You guys make sanitizer. You know, I'd see emails coming back from him at one, one o'clock in the morning and everybody, you know, it, it's just so different from what any of us, us did. I mean, Josh and Justin were up to their knees and all kinds of stuff, just trying to make some of these products. But glycerin, it, glycerin, <laughs> yeah. glycerin yeah. sunflower oil, yeah. Yeah. grapefruit oil, lemon oil, uh, yeah. all things that have no proper place in brewing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, if I, I say if it's a foxhole mentality, I'd love to have these guys on a foxhole with me because I know we're all covering each other's back, and I think that's that's huge. And it's uh, I can't thank them enough for everything they, you know, they jumped on board of a, a little a thing that was taking forever, and some people probably said they'll never open. Well, just FYI, we're open. We are open. Feels good to say that. It does. Yeah. I feel like I heard both. I either heard. They're going to open next week or they'll never open. Like there was no in between between those two kind of ideas. You just, you just got to sum them together, you know, That's average right. it out. That's yeah. right. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I, we were all just like, I don't want to be asked that one more time. Oh, I man. mean, they almost didn't want to answer a phone or look out a window because someone's the beer hey, are you open yet? The beer festivals. So I try really hard. If I'm talking to somebody on the show before they're actually open, I try really, really hard not to just ask. So what's your time frame? When are you opening? Because I, I, I recognize that even without all of the stuff that has been happening um, as you guys have been opening here now, um, there's always something. There's always something that delays the process. There's I'll always say, something that makes it difficult. Yeah, to anyone who's trying to open anything, 
don't worry. It'll happen. Just stick to <laughs> stay the course. It will happen. It just sometimes it takes longer than you expect, but it but what that does is it gives you more of an appreciation when you do get open and and hopefully you can uh open the doors solid. It know? doesn't it doesn't always happen. There have been plenty plenty of projects around town that have just fizzled out for whatever reason, but I think the difference is like that's that there's you talk about that scrappiness we talked about earlier with with craft beer and the scrappiness behind it like if you want this to be a thing it'll happen it'll you just have to keep just keep pushing forward and that's um easier for some people than i think others but yeah i I uh, think that's that's all in due part to our ownership um dave uh and and you know nancy and joe and robin both uh, joe moss you know jtm like they've both been absolutely phenomenal as far as just making sure that that not only are are their eyes and you know just just making sure that they're on hand at all times but also making sure that that everything that that the employees need is taken care of so that we get our jobs done and and just push forward through all the the hurdles and everything that have been thrown at us um yeah it's it's been an incredible uh venture it would have been easy to quit though is i guess my point like it would have been it would have been easier to quit especially as all of this has has shaken out, especially this very end here with this year, you don't know our crew. You're you're, you're, you're in the wrong camp. None no, of us. I, but <laughs> quit was not a vocabulary <laughs> word. And and I I definitely agree with that sentiment. But I also have seen plenty of, um, especially on on the ownership side, I've seen plenty of people that just don't have that fire behind them to make something like this happen with all of this stuff thrown out in front of you. So I, my hat's off goes to everybody here for, for making this become a thing and doing it in a way that, to me, it seems like it's definitely the right way and it seems like it's a place that is uh, designed to be around for a very long time. And that, that, that makes me feel good. It's um, Yeah, I'll, I'll back Josh up on that. It, it started from the top. We're, we're uh, myself, Greg, really Ju- Justin, Josh, all yeah, of us are, are lucky that we have good leadership and... Um, it started from the top for sure. And these folks are just as willing to like roll out their sleeves and get dirty. You know, that's the, that's the I'm great in charge thing. of the sump pump. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> sump pump and, master and, there. I, I don't touch that thing. Sump pump or, or whether it be a valve, uh, going rogue during a beer transfer and jumping in with your suit on. That's, that's Dave right there. So, um, Joe, Joe goes down in the basement and tinkers around for hours. We have no idea what he does, but, you know, always comes out a little better. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's drink another beer. Cheers. Cheers. What is this one here? We uh, we're drinking the Maritzen right now, or the the Martzen, as everybody else around here <laughs> seems to call it. So, um, so is is your Martzen? Is that a year round offering from you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you? try to trick people into not knowing that this is an Oktoberfest? So <laughs> not necessarily. Yeah. No. Yeah. So as someone who's, who's sold it out in the market, I've had those conversations We're we're advantaged in that it's one of a few styles that has two names. Right. Uh, so Meritzen or Fest beer. Um, and this loops us back around to the, to the lager conversation. Um, all of us, especially our head brewer, Greg, are, are passionate about, about lager beer. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, 
there's plenty of people I talk to who I say, oh, it's a Marzen lager. They're like, okay, great. Yeah, it tastes good. Um, I'd say maybe half of them don't know that it's the same thing as Oktoberfest, sure. which advantages me. Um, but at the end of the day, I describe it as a German amber lager. You know, the way this beer drinks, there's no reason why we can't drink it year-round. It lets us celebrate the fact that we love uh, lager beer. It lets us celebrate uh, the German heritage and OTR. Um, and again, to reiterate, it's, uh, it's an amber lager. It's a little toasty. It's a little nutty. It's a little sweet. It's just a great beer. Uh, Mertens and, and Box are definitely very near the top of my list of my favorite lagers. They're, they're big, bold flavors in an easy drinking kind of uh, package. And in a city like Cincinnati, it goes over well. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see. So when, when, <laughs> when, when March 1st opened up, they tried to keep a Bach on year-round, and it didn't last a yeah. year because they just couldn't sell it and couldn't convince people that... Um, that that Bach made sense in uh, you know any other time other than March. So I'm I'm really curious to see uh, how people kind of latch on to it. Um, it's it's a great beer. It's um, got that really good kind of floral quality to it that uh, um, it fits really well with summer for some reason. <laughs> like I I agree a hundred percent. I, I don't know sit why. Sit outside but it and, does. and just drink this and uh like i feel like i should be sitting outside drinking pilsner this time of year but this uh, almost fits better for me i don't know why well, you know i i think it for for us at least it takes that spot of like an amber you know uh, yeah. ale or something uh brown ale or something on those lines you know it, it, there's always a, 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 a place on the beer menu for that kind of in-between beer and this kind of solidifies our, our our place in the the history of German beers and you know I mean like we, we would we could have a brown ale or we could have an amber lager or an amber an amber ale or something like that that would just be kind of an Americanized or an English style beer but if we're trying to stick true to the heritage of the German kind of you know beer scene and everything like that the Martzen is perfect for it because it is I mean when it was traditionally brewed, it was for a year-round production. It was for year-round enjoyment. Right. And then, I mean, just as easily as they did back in the day, we can take this beer, we can we can barrel-age it, we can solidify it Let's, to make it into an Oktoberfest and enjoy it. More, you, you roll into Oktoberfest season, the traditional Oktoberfest season. Mm -hmm. Like, There's a lot of different, like, this would be really good, like, dry hops oh too. absolutely like there's, there's there, so many things you could do with it and have you know this is the, four versions exactly this is purely the base and we are we are are happy to expound on this when it comes time to to celebrate i mean the actual season that this beer is celebrated in and so it, it's it's fun because a lot of places don't do a year-round oktoberfest or a year-round martin but we do and that's that that allows us to not only for one showcase the beer for what it's really is you know for for that that nice quality of malt but also when the time comes we can change it up year from year we can have a different oktoberfest right. based on this one base we can have something that's hot forward something that that's even more malty forward or something like that we can we can do different variations 
on our one style that we have all year round for that one specific month. So I dig it. I dig it a lot. I, uh, you know, the, it's a pretty popular beer here, actually, because, you know, you sort of work your way. You go, hell, else you go to a Pilsner, you swing into a Colts right now, you hit a Meriton. I mean, it, it really, maybe it's a uh, it's an, a young stout for someone with bad eyesight. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's just, it's so full of uh, flavor. I love it. But, you know, and, like, uh, you know, I'll say with our naming convention of naming things after people that have graced uh, or, you know, maybe plagued uh, the Northern Liberties, uh, this is the one that we named the brewer. So it kind of is a uh, one that's near and dear to our hearts, I would say. You know, I get a lot of people who will ask, oh, where can I get, you know, I like this beer. Where can I get a beer like this? And there, it, it bothers me so much when it's one of those styles. It's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, if you go this time of year, there's, you know, 14 of them you can find around town, but right now you just, you can't get any of them. And like that, that, it's strange to me that, you know, even as big as this beer scene has gotten, that there are some styles that are just purely a seasonal thing. They just pop up and then they go away, be it Bach or Oktoberfest or whatever. So I I like it. I like the idea. I like having it around. Um, I think I'm going to be drinking a lot of this one in the, uh, the, the future. Go pester your local <laughs> haunt and tell, call Brent and he'll help make sure they can help the neighborhood. Or just walk in and be like, hey, do you have a Meritson? That's a really beer? strange question, but I really could use a Meritson right <laughs> So uh, help me start a campaign to get this Meritson on the slow pour tap. I would love to taste Ooh. it. I don't know that I've ever had a Meritson on a I slow pour. I can't say that I have either, but I, I have really, really want to try it with like that pillowy, marshmallowy hat on top of it. Yeah, We have the means. We've got the means. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> That's that's a whole uh, show topic in itself, the slow right. pour and the uh, <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, but we have another beer in front of us that we need to to drink before we start running. Well, I'm, we can't really run out of time, I guess. But oh uh, yeah, we don't close <laughs> for a couple of hours. <laughs> the Drifter IPA. Oh, beautiful. He's trying to pull this one away from me. He's <laughs> trying to tell me I've had enough. <laughs> beautiful it's a big citrusy american ipa this is uh completely different than all of the lagers we've been drinking yeah <laughs> taking a little turn here yeah. kind of showing greg's uh greg's roots in the west coast here i, I think you yeah. can't not have an ipa if sure. you're a brewery and no we as much as we've talked about lagers and we we do re- honestly love lagers we're passionate about we love ipa all beer I mean. all beer yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't met a beer style that I haven't really liked. You know, there have been ones that I've, you know, instances of uh, you know styles that I haven't, you know, right. particular ones that I haven't liked or you know, but uh, yeah, no style is off the mark for me. Honestly, uh, I get that hundred. That's that's kind of the way I am. Like people ask what what beer you like, what brewery you like, what this, what that, and I'm like I really kind of like everything. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not a, a lie when I say that. There's something that I can find that I really do enjoy about everything. Um, and I'm, I would never call myself a, uh, an IPA guy or a hop guy. Like I definitely like malt. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I, you put something like this in front of me and like, I really enjoy this. It's like I said, it's big and citrusy and fruity and, um, it, but it's, it, it's not your traditional. It's, it's definitely not the traditional kind of fruits and stuff that you 
typically find an IPA. This one is much more tropical. Yeah. Uh, it's got much more pineapple. There's no such thing as, as traditional anymore. Uh, well, no, that, that, that is, that is true. Th- yeah, true that. But, uh, you know, it, from, from what's been popularized the last few years, it seems like this one breaks the mold. Um, it, it, it kind of takes you away from the kind of piney, uh, citrusy, grassy kind of areas and, and brings you more towards like, uh, I, I could see this being the IPA of the Hawaiians almost. It's just, it's like, a, it's very tropical, very um, juicy in its it, own right. It pulls a lot of those flavors that people are going nuts about with the, the New England and England's, that kind of yeah. stuff. Right. But it still has that bitter kind of bite oh, yeah. too that, that cuts it back. Like that's, I, I, I don't love a lot of the New Englands because that, that, overly soft fruitiness is too much for me and this this has that but it just cuts it to it, kind of it's still it to- it, it's still dry too you know it's not to your point the uh, new england's which we all still really love and appreciate um but talking with greg about you know what he wanted to do for our house ipa um i think this leans definitely more towards the west coast style than it does mm-hmm. towards new england or or a hazy um but it's not necessarily west coast you know it's not stone ipa it's it's really well balanced and in a in an over-the-top kind of way like there's there's definitely balance in all of the aspects of it but it's it is really there there is high bitterness oh yeah there is high fruity kind of sweet things going on too um so it's it's elevated balance i think that's really elevated balance yeah elevated balance (laughs) right next it works for me yeah sure but i think greg Greg's, uh, if you talk to Greg, and he's, he's in here a lot, for him it is all about balance. Anything can be done, but it is, is, he really tries to work very hard at making sure that there's good balance in any of the beers that he does. He can do all kinds of styles. We've seen all kinds of things from him. But uh, they, don't, they don't overwhelm. Uh, they don't underwhelm. It's enough that you, you, you want to have another sip of it, but it's not just because you're, you're you know, trying to quench something. Uh, I think it's. I think he does a nice job with that. And, and yeah, this sure. is this is really well done. I I enjoy this one a lot. It uh, again, it's not one of those styles that I would ever like run to seek out when I sit down at a bar. But um, going back to that, don't ever you know do that. You know, just keep pushing yourself into places that you wouldn't normally go because um, sure. if I walk into a bar that's got you know I don't know how many loggers you guys have on tap right now, thirty-seven something like that, forty. <laughs> <laughs> Those are where I'm going to lean when I sit down at a place like this. And that's not necessarily, um, I, I would miss out on something like this. So. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think that you, you might kind of be in a, uh, a specialized category because a lot of people, especially a lot of beer drinkers now, I mean, they, they flock to IPAs. IPAs have been so hot for the past few years and I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that, you know, especially when I walk into a bar or a brewery, I'm looking for something that's that's lager style, that's that's a bit more kind of traditional and, and that I can see through. You know, there's no hiding behind a lager. Right. But at the same time, people who, who aren't in the industry, who are still kind of catching on to the trend of IPAs, if they taste our IPA, they can compare it to other IPAs and they can, can kind of, can tell that ours is not traditional. Ours is right. not in, in the same sense as as some of the IPAs that have been out the last five years. Um, 
at the same time, it still fits that mold. It still fits that that kind of that bitter, that nice sweetness, that citrus, that that it, just everything you look for in a good IPA. So it's good. It is. Um, it's it's unique, which is uh, hard to say about an IPA. Mm-hmm. It's also you know absolutely IPAs are are a tough sell when you again talking about you know outside sales outside of the tap room. It's a tough thing to sell an IPA because there's you know, so many 30,000 IPAs yeah. at any given time. And, um, this is really, really good. I enjoy this one a lot. Thank uh, you. <laughs> what, um, looking bigger picture kind of stuff as we start to kind of, to wind things down, um, looking at Cincinnati as a whole, um, where do you guys see us going in the next couple of years? What do you think we're going to struggle with as a, uh, a beer city? Um, where do you think we're going to excel? Um, what, do, what do you guys think of this Cincinnati beer scene yeah. right now? I mean, I think the whole scene is up in the air right now. You know, like there's, there are a whole bunch of factors that talking this time last year, we have to consider that right. uh, weren't necessarily so. But I think that beer is something that is built this city i think that it's it has a rightful place in this city and i think that there will always be and i invite more people that are thinking about uh opening up a brewery or you know bringing something a little bit different or even something that you think you can do a little bit better than your your neighbors or competitors or something like that there's room for you uh so you know try to make that happen. You know, I I invite more, more breweries. I wish that, you know, in five years, we can say that there are close to a hundred breweries in this town. I'm pretty sure we will. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I think that we're trending for that for sure. And, uh, I want to, you know, encourage those people that are maybe thinking halfway to, to go and do it and carve your own little corner out and, uh, you know, just, just make it happen. There's a huge community uh, that, that, I believe in and I, you know, just in the, the few months that I've been working here, I've met, uh, and, and even before that, uh, you know, I've met plenty of people that, uh, I believe in this community. I do think it feels different in the last few months. I feel like people have kind of been smacked upside the head a little bit and kind of, um, realigned their way of thinking and and remembered kind of what this is now is maybe not the right time to like, just, (laughs) jump off the uh you know jump off the diving board and uh see if you can make it but you know but but even yeah. but that that community aspect of what this is all about you know i feel like that is stronger now than it was you know a year ago from, we saw, from today yeah we really saw that i think during uh as covid hit and everybody started sheltering in place and i mean we had people coming down here and buying growlers and i know that i can speak for for many bars and restaurants People came out, and and I got to say, it's just it's moving, the the support that they put out for everybody. I mean, people love their their local establishments, and they love to go out and do it. But they all jumped in. I mean, for service staff. I mean, look at the, look at the things that happened in Cincinnati or across the country. Look at I got to I got to put a shout out to Jose Salazar. That guy said, "Hey, we're doing this for all of all of the." No matter where you worked, he he jumped out. It happened so many times. The amount of amazing things we saw businesses jump together to do, communities do to support bars, restaurants. Um, 
It's, it is so cool. I, I, looking back on this years from now, I'm going to say amazing time. So where, where do you see, um, where do you see things in, in five years from now? Do you, do you think that this keeps growing the way it has been or do you think we've kind of hit some kind of a plateau as far as the, the beer, beer scene? market? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's hard to tell Cincinnati, you know, what Mark Twain says, we're 10 years behind the time. So you go out to Denver and it's amazing. I mean, you have what is it? 300 breweries or something breweries on. And, and the, the beauty of it is you see all these, you know, some are small, some are huge. Some guys are happy to make, have a three barrel system. And that's, that's really what they want to do. And that really adds a neat aspect to it. And, and so I don't know what we'll see in five years from now. You know, I think, I think certainly the spirit side will be increasing. Um, it, but it's, it's hard, it's hard to tell. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, we're in uncertain times. I mean, I think that, that p- plays true for all industries. Mm-hmm. And I think for people like us, uh, everyone at this table who's, who's immersed in the craft beer industry, you know, we forget how immature this industry is. Um, immature might be the wrong word, but... Um, I think it's the right word. Yeah, I mean, it, you know... you In a lot of different ways. In the 90s... I've we, got an infantile sense of humor. I know that much, you know? I've thought of like nine fart jokes. Yeah, in for sure. <laughs> well, uh, in, in the 80s and 90s, you know, we saw a wave of craft beer openings across the country. Uh, some of those breweries are alive and well. Um, Sierra Nevada, Odell Brewing Company, New Belgium. Um, we could throw a bunch of people in there. But they survived kind of a little crash you saw in the late 90s, if, if, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Then we saw a reemergence, um, a huge reemergence. Now things have plateaued a little bit, and we're not sure what the future holds, but uh, the optimistic point is beer's not going anywhere. It, right. It's not going anywhere. We're not all going to stop drinking tomorrow. No, right? no way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've been drinking <laughs> a little bit more in the uh, past couple of months. Yeah, first yeah. Thing, you know? I want to talk about how much I've been drinking. Have you seen what happened months? in Florida? Uh, that's a revolution in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell us we can't get alcohol. Florida has <laughs> bad news right there. I think Texas, too, if I yeah. saw the, the article right. This, I think Texas. Well, we looked at each other when uh, COVID happened, and we figured that between all of us, we had a, at least a year or two worth of provisions, so we weren't going thirsty. I t- I t- I, I'll sleep on this hardwood floor as long as I've got a couple of beers to drink. I talked to a local brewery. I won't name names, and they said, if... If this state tells us that we cannot sell our beer, we're going to get on a bicycle and we're going to ride down to Kroger and set up in the parking lot and we are selling beer in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's to me the uh, um, the attitude that we all. I love it. Kudos to <laughs> unnamed brewery. Yeah, make t shirts. I think we need hats. We need all kinds of stuff for that brewery. They might have actually said it on this show. So just go through and listen to old episodes. You might find it. So, breaking news we just got a round of waters. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> this is not seltzer, right? No, no, no. <laughs> the, the big surprising thing in the show is the big uh, rollout of seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to cleanse your palate. That's uh, oh, okay. That's all right. Good. I'll take that. Keith's making sure we don't. Think too much. <laughs> we uh, we do have another beer sitting here on the table too. We do, yeah. It's a mystery beer. We're not going to tell anyone what it is. <laughs> you have to guess. Uh, it looks dark. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Smells uh, mm. delicious. Smells roasty and chocolatey and. Yeah. It's a seltzer, actually. IPA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a roasty seltzer. It's cherry vanilla. Stout. Stouty is the uh, technical term for it. Is this a oatmeal stout? It is. Yes, this is our uh, our banker stout. So this is one of our mainstays. Um, this uh, in, in inhibits uh, a Josh, little bit of oatmeal. We, get, we gotta interrupt you. Oh, yeah. It's brawler. It is not our the oatmeal stout. Im- Im- <laughs> really? Imperial Schwarz beer. Wonderful. Oh. oh. So, yes. Is Imperial Schwarz beer actually a uh, real style, or is that something you guys invented? I think Greg invented it. It, it, it seems, yeah, it seems to be an invention. Uh, we had never heard of one before this. Um, it comes so when you're brewing a Speedo. It, you come it, it, up it, with was, a... it was a, a labor of love for this one. Um, this one, actually, the first beer I ever had when I was 21 was uh, a Schwarz beer. It was the uh, New Belgium 1554, and uh, it was uh, phenomenal. And uh, when Greg kind of came up with the idea to brew in a Schwartz beer, uh, we brewed it to to put into barrels. We have a line on um, getting Buffalo Trace barrels, and so we wanted something that would be uh, amenable to going into those and come out on the other side just just extremely smooth, extremely palatable. Um, with an ABV to, to tout um, just a party kind of lifestyle. Right. And uh, so this one went in, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this one's around 9.5% um, going into barrels. So it, it should come out at least the, about a greater two or above that. Um, extremely chocolatey notes, um, a nice vanilla flavor, but the lager... Uh, yeast that's in it adds to this just extreme drinkability. It's so smooth. It's so easy it, to to just kind of sip on. It doesn't it doesn't strike you like uh, like you said. It's it, you thought it was an it's oatmeal stout. Got a, it's got a, like a creamy kind of exactly, thing and that's on. and that's because it, so oatmeal tends to add more mouthfeel than it does flavor. Right. In this one, it's just it, it's a little bit of lactose that goes into it, and so it, it adds that kind of that that extra sugariness, that extra mouthfeel, um, without the oatmeal. But this one, this one lends to just like this this full body to kind of experience when you're drinking it. And uh, you yeah, I, I'm I'm actually I, <laughs> after after one sip, I kind of I thought like this. I don't think this is the stout because. <laughs> This is it is it is by far my favorite beer we have and on right now. We just let him sit here and make an ass of himself <laughs> without saying anything. So, well, what's cool is looping looping back around to loggers. I can't tell you how many times I've spent a lot of time behind the bar, um, different places, and you give someone a light light fizzy beer and they say, "Oh, you know what? I don't like loggers. I like ales." Right. And we let you you know you try this beer if you're not told what it is. You think, oh, it's roasty, it's chocolatey, it's Aspia Stout. But lagers are diverse category yeah. of beer. Um, and I think that's that's lost on a lot of beer drinkers out there. Oh, easily. You, yeah. you talk to, well, you, you see it when you sit at a bar for any amount of time. People walk in and they, you know, 
Oh, I don't, I don't either. I don't like dark beers because I, you know, I only like lagers, or I, I, you know, I don't like. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch kind of people's perceptions change as yeah. they, or you yeah. know, here, close your eyes and drink this kind of thing. Sure. You know? There's, there's a lot of. This is a big dark kind of beer. It fits a lot of those dark stereotypes, um, but there are lots of also really easy drinking dark lagers. You know, a, a traditional Schwarz beer is. is it's pretty easy drinking. This, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is this is definitely imperial. I this one, sure. this one will get away from you for sure if you're not yeah. careful. Um, that is, but man, it, uh, it's, it's easy to it's, slide it's, off the skis on this one. It's oh a, yeah, uh, it's a fun style bender for sure. Um, it's one step away from doing Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but uh, well, that, we're that getting was, close. That was the idea that that we we wanted to brew it. Specifically to, you know, uh, there's a lot of winter festivities in Cincinnati yeah. and, uh, you know, between beer festivals and then, you know, the, the early kind of uh, year Bach Fest and everything like that. We wanted something that, that we could release that would set us apart kind of from everyone else. And, and I mean, why not? Like you said, I mean, it, when you heard an Imperial Schwartz beer, it, it kind of was like, is that a thing? What? Yeah. And even if it's not. That sets us apart. Right. That's right. that's what we're looking for. So it's it's hard to do things that haven't been done before. Actually, I, I'm curious to look if somebody's done an impor, imperial sports beer before. They've never been done. Um, and for more context, I remember talking to to Greg, our our head brewer, and he was like, "I was going to do a Schwartz beer," and then he noticed a a local brewery who we we like and appreciate just released one, and he was like, eh, "On second thought, I'm going to do an imperial Schwartz beer." Um. Yeah, there, so there have we, been a couple. It is a thing. Okay, right. cool. We we love it. I mean, I I think it's a great beer, um, and uh, it's the first Imperial Schwartz beer I've ever had. For so sure, I think it's the you, first one in Cincinnati. We'll if you've that. got a sweet tooth here, like this is a this is a really really great Six dessert beer. Glass, yeah. Well, yeah, it would it would be good like as a as a, a dessert kind of thing if you mm-hmm. want to pair. We it also with had ice a, cream or we something. had a scoop of ice cream on top of it and make a a black cow. I don't know if you've ever had oh, one of yeah. those with the yeah, Imperial Schwartz. Yeah. I'm really good with this. Love that Steely Dan song. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should drink our last beer as we uh, talk about the future for uh, Northern Row. Excellent. Oh, we um, have another one. We're not done yet. We still have three or four more handles over there. I don't know. Are you getting bored? We haven't gotten the... Uh uh, Buffalo Trace Barrel uh, Imperial Stout oh, yet. Oh, we'll bring that over, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I can't next. say. We're going to be that, here. You know, I'm kind of concerned. I don't, I don't want you to leave here like feeling like you missed anything. No, I'm not going to leave anything. Northern, Northern Row has, make sure Northern Row has stolen the airwaves. <laughs> yes. We, yeah, we're we, not we giving are, it up. Uh, it took us four years to get here, by God. Yeah. We're going to take, take four hours of this <laughs> podcast explaining what we're Several episodes wrapped into one. I think this would be a good you know, transition into uh, it, this. This last year, we had our um, imperial or our, our barrel aged Doppelbach, uh, aged in Weller barrels, um, provided for Bach Fest and everything like that. Uh, we definitely do plan and have barrels set aside for the next Bach Fest. Awesome. So. When when the time comes, we're just setting them back on those. When and, the time, and that's a whole other. Is yeah. what's that going to look like next year? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm optimistic. That that is one of my favorite celebrations of beer I've ever been to, including <laughs> fe- I'm I'm serious. It's I love Cincinnati Bach Fest. I do too. It's so fantastic. 
we have a, a tradition every year where we get up at the ass crack of dawn on Saturday and come down and um, we do a tour, one of the, uh, the tour of the cellars and stuff, which is so much fun if you do one of the early ones because right when you're getting done with your tour, you come up inside Bockfest Hall and people are just showing up and starting to drink and you're already fired up because you've been man, it. <laughs> and then you just hang out all day and just drink all day. And Love it. Um, what other city can you go to that has a festival, not, not just a festival that's dedicated to Bach beer, but you can go and there's like, how many Bach beers were on tap this year? Like, thirty of them or something. Like, Unchained, that might even yeah. be uh, that might even be. <laughs> that's short. I mean, yeah, that's great. Like that's it's, short. it's insane. And this this past Bach Fest, uh, Josh and I were there. Greg was there on Main Street, and snow's falling, and oh, yeah. all you, the, just the energy and the enthusiasm oh, yeah. you see of of people who are there just to spectate and people who are there participating in the parade. It's just. It's so, it's awesome. The event. last two years, I have said, and have failed to make it happen, that I'm going to get a float for the Bachfest parade. That is a Cincy Brewcast float, where during the parade I podcast through the parade, <laughs> and I just keep dropping the ball and not being able to do it because Oof. of life. We need to get you a gnarly to, gnome float. We need to, right, we need to make no, it happen. Yes. Yeah. We we've we've decided this next year that we we've got a um we we've just kind of come across an old tap system and so we're gonna get a barrel and we're gonna tap it <laughs> and we're gonna be able to pour beers for people right alongside the the the, the parade route. <laughs> this tap system was uh, around about I I think just a few months it was manufactured a few months before prohibition. Yeah. By the it's way. an extremely yeah. old cool. uh, very it's mechanism. The, it's the newest pre-prohibition <laughs> tap known to man. So is it like a like a like a beer engine kind of Oh, I got to go find it. Essentially, it's more of a hand it work? it's a hand pump. Yeah, okay, it's so, a, yeah. it's a hand pump, but you can also hook up gas. It, I mean, it, it is it is kind of a an, an antiquated kind of piece of ma- machinery, but it will work with if we if we take one of our barrel aged doppel box, we'll right. be able to just hook it up and pour it right alongside the route. So more beer to survive. My dream, <laughs> my dream is to put up a, uh, a beer poke, you know, uh, and serve some warm uh, warm doppel box or warm bock. Oh, I'm all about oh, it. Yeah, all about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, instead of just sitting here and just keep drinking beer and letting people listen to us drink beer, we should talk about something. <laughs> well, cool. sure. Absolutely. Uh, um, how about, I, how about them Bengals? <laughs> Wait, that's too sad. <laughs> that's too sad. No, no sports talk. Yeah, we, until we know what is happening with sports, we just can't Joe talk Burrow. about it. All. Although I will say, so I don't get um, downtown in the last few months as much as I do. Typically I live in the other end of the universe and, um, Coming downtown right now, there is like this bright, shining uh, beacon of sports happiness <laughs> that is the FC Stadium coming yeah. up. And my God, you you just when you drive, depending on how you come into the city, if you come up Western or if you come even down Central Parkway, and you just see that thing coming up in a part of town that everybody just ignored for so long, and you just didn't look at it. That is that is going to be cool. Oh yeah, we're that pretty excited really, about that. Really, really cool for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about as a brewery, 
um, how the idea is always to keep growing this thing and keep becoming something bigger than what you are right now. But at at what point? Uh, when is when is when is it too big? And when does all of this start to change for you guys, just individually, and maybe not even speaking specifically about Northern Row? If you uh, when we all die, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, not necessarily locally. Not necessarily locally. I mean, I guess there are people that would disagree with that too, but we haven't really seen that to where things have changed too much for anybody. But we have with other breweries. Absolutely, sure. New Belgium is a good example of it, of a point where a brewery got too big and everything that they thought it was, it fell apart. We have a lot of room to grow. We we do. Uh, I think right now where we are. I I mean, locally, we'd love, we want to support Cincinnati and sort of work that area. I think the spirit side going... You know, that that is much easier to go to a much broader sure. spectrum. Um, you know, I think all of the uh, the things that it takes to be able to distribute beer just through a state well, that's important. Um, trying to go, we're tri-state, so we have to deal, that adds some complex, mm-hmm. complexity to it all. And uh, so, I don't know, we, we just want to, as long as we can keep it authentic, that's what we want to do. And I think that's really important to, but I think to all of us. Is there, do you see the authenticity of it all? Do you see it in your head? Is there a point where that starts to change and it starts to become something else? Or do you think you can carry it indefinitely? Do you, I mean, is, is Stone still as authentic as it was at one time? Is, is even Sierra Nevada a place that I feel very, very strongly about? Like, I, I love what they're doing. Yeah. But is I, it the same as it was? I think those are, if you look at icons, you know, you go and you look at some of the, the early breweries that really did amazing things. Those are sort of what we look up to. Um, and, you know, when you see one fall off to being purchased by a larger, you know, national brewery, I don't know. You're going to, I'm going to, you're going to be clawing out of my nails. I won't have fingernails before that happens. Because I think that we're so rooted in local and if, if we can take that local feel and and move it to other cities, I would love that. Every city has its own flavor, though. It's, it's almost it's, like every can brewery. You? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Um, so I think the product, the product will speak for itself. How you basically are able to share that story in another market. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, think right. chase it. Brennan, uh, that's and I think, we, I think we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of questions to ask before that happens you know like well, sure how do we how do we get this stuff canned out you know canned up and out on the at least the even the local market right. you know before we even consider going to other you know going to other cities where we don't have the attachment we don't have the identity we have to you know kind of take that extra step to make ourselves relevant in an external market we're here you know we've got a story we have a place uh, and we have just had four weeks to really start enticing people down and see what it's all about. So, you know, it is, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the future, yes, absolutely. That may come, but, uh, for now we're just trying to build it a step at a time, I think. Well, yeah. in, industry wide, it's a super important question. I mean, I think within the last definitely f- I don't know, five years, we've, I think the market has kind of, there's a shelf for brands. 
I mean, you look at the regional breweries, we could, we don't need to list them, but we could rattle off 10 uh, breweries that were regional and then were battling for kind of to be national brands. Um, and the market had uh, other plans for them. And there's plenty of brands um, who, you know, 10 years ago were going gangbusters. And, it's, right. and it seemed like they could do no wrong. Um, and the market said otherwise. Um, and we, you know, we touched on that theme earlier. It's still kind of an immature industry. It, it really is. It might feel like it is really grounded and everyone knows about craft beer, but, um, it, it's still changing a lot. Uh, and at least for, for our brand, what I can say is, um, I know from the top down, I feel like we're going to do the right thing, whatever it may be, whether it's, getting to uh, hanging out at, at, at 5,000 barrels a year, if that's the right thing to do, I, I feel like that's what we'll do. If it means we get to 50,000 barrels a year, I, I, you know, we'll play it by ear. But um, it, it's, really, it's really hard to know what the right answer is. Yeah, I don't think we're afraid to grow, but it's a matter of making sure that what we do as we grow maintains that authenticity and that quality. And I... And, and I'll just, you know, I think what I say is probably everyone will echo here. It's about the quality. If, right. if we can't, if we're doing something wrong, we, we just won't. Do we it. won't continue to do it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just not, it's not in the cards. And I, I don't want it. The guys don't want it. And, and everybody feels uh, ownership and, and responsibility for what we do. And I think that's, that goes through everything that we do. And I, I appreciate that. It's it's hard to find a team that constantly thinks that way. It is and, hard. And we've got, you know, we just got a great group. And, and I, I couldn't be happier and feel luckier uh, than what we've got right now. So We don't want you to go thirsty. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> what? I would suggest we drink this before the one that we handed you okay. previously. And by drink, he means chug. <laughs> so, um, well, let's drink this one and then we'll, we'll ask that. For sure. This is one dear and near to, uh, to Josh over here. Uh, yeah. Josh's. This is his recipe. Stirring and mixing. Yes. Yeah, so, so as I, I had, I had a background in brewing before coming to Northern Road, but, uh, since taking on the, uh, the position here. I've transitioned into uh, the head distiller and have been kind of thinking the mindset of, of, uh, of distillation and uh, what, what works best for coming out with the, the final product on that. It's, it's been a little bit different because what you're trained to look for in brewery fermentation and and kind of just everything along that goes with that um it's quite different you know you like like dave said kind of prior in the very beginning of this uh it's it's easy to realize when a fermentation and a beer side of things has gone awry but with distillation it's it's anything kind of goes and so uh you know you you can take you can take quite a bit and run it through a still and make alcohol with it so 
Um, and, and what we've been learning from that, and, and especially myself, it's that it's not necessarily what goes into the still or even what comes out of the still. It's what, what goes into the barrel and what comes out of the barrel. And so that's what we've been uh, honing in on for our Five Stories brand as far as the, the whiskey and the bourbon and the rum and gin and vodka and everything else we've been creating. Um, just, to, just to mention a few. <laughs> is uh you know we're we're trying to uh pair that well with everything else that we've been doing here and um it's love, it's love always the nice rye, the what now love and the rye here oh yeah yeah, you, yeah absolutely you have that that rye which i think you brought in from the uh distillation side and sort of added that into this it well, is yeah and and exactly what and, is this? and so we, we haven't so this this uh, i was i was transitioning uh this is actually um it's traditionally a Dunkelweizen that actually has rye wheat or rye malt in it, um, as well as wheat. And so it is your, uh, you know, your Pilsner malt, a little bit of wheat in it, a little bit of rye, got the traditional Hefeweizen yeast that's going to give it that nice clove banana. It's not over the top on it, though. Like, it's not... Uh, no, no, it's, it is not. It is not. It's it's, it's a, a dunkel rising. A very, yeah, very small percentage of rye. I would say probably less than 15% rye in it. It gives it a little bit more of a mouthfeel. gives it a little bit more of kind of like that, uh, that dark um, kind of roasted flavors, a little bit of a, a, a bready sweetness to it. Um more so than you would find in a wheat. If it was just a weeded dunkel, I think it would be a little bit uh, less heavy on the palate. But this one kind of gives it a little bit more of like a, if you're eating a gingerbread cookie or or kind of uh, something a little bit a little bit heavier. So, like a piece of rye bread with with your banana and clove. So it's it's awesome. I mean, I feel like I've said that a lot with a lot of these beers, but I guess that's a good thing. Um, it's uh it's really really like creamy and um <laughs> it's got a really great body to it. <laughs> i feel like i've said that for a lot of beers too yeah. <laughs> um this um it it, it sometimes with a uh, dunkel Weissen you get um almost too, too light too well no i'm uh, too much of like the 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 yeast character for me for a darker kind of beer i want yeah. i want more of that kind of roasty bready kind of thing going on and this this hits perfect for that man it uh nice. um i really really like this one this is good excellent glad you like it yeah we we went we went for like i said it's it it we we took away some of the wheat and added rye to it it adds a little bit more of the complexity in the malt but it doesn't add necessarily the heaviness of the body that you would get from some of the the wheat Thank you. it 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 ferments out a little bit darker and deeper, and so you get more of a drier finish, but at the same time, not as heavy of a of a finish. Right. So uh, this is this is great. Like I, uh, I'm trying to think of if I had to pick a favorite so far, and I don't know that I could, but this is right up there. <laughs> Josh had done a really good amber, uh, which he had done early on, and that was. This was like he decided he was going to fill this slot with this, and I think it was a nice it was a nice pivot for us. Um, it it has it's a complex, but it it is it's just a great beer. It it fits right in um, right in the kind of category for 
uh, who you guys are. Like it makes sense with everything else, but definitely um, is very different than the other stuff that's that's up there. That's and, and you haven't you haven't done the last one here. I mean, no. I, I got to say this one's gonna like just spin your eyeballs. I yeah. kind of called in a little bit of a showstopper here. Yeah. <laughs> Good or bad, it's going to be a showstopper. Boozy? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, smells a little boozy. Oh, a wee sh- bit. She's boozy. We call this one the boozer. Yeah. Did we bring the wanker up? We do have the wanker. Yeah, the, the but wank- I, I think the wanker was already... Uh, I must have like stepped away for a second. I don't even think we talked about it. We, we tasted talk it. About it. Oh, yeah. that's. We drank it, didn't talk about it. We love but the whatever. name. Yeah. Love the beer. Wow, that's good. Wow. It's... I mean, it's definitely, it's there, but it's not over the top as far as the booziness goes. Like It's, it's delicious, um, if you ask me, you know. Again, it's perfect really, balance. Really well balanced. Like it, the, the booziness actually, um, the beer uses it to kind of balance out some of the other stuff going on, man. That it is a good night beer. Really, really, really <laughs> well done. What's, yeah, what's I love the ABV that of that one? Do we Ten know? and a half. Ten, Ten and, and a half, half. 11, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Man, so that's, that, that's also, that's a, uh, a, a blend of uh, Imperial Stout aged in Weller barrels and also Buffalo Trace barrels. So, uh, you know, two, two from the same company, right. just a uh, little bit more sweetness from the Weller with the wheat and everything, and then blended with that rye kind of like harshness from the, the, the Buffalo Trace barrels. When you burp after that one, you get a good uh, booze bite. <laughs> there you go. Wait till yeah, you have a lamb slider over here. <laughs> yeah, things just keep landing on the table as yeah. we're talking. <laughs> our, our, our table is, we're quickly losing real I was going to say for any state. ASMR fans, uh, I can uh, I can do some uh, tortilla chips or <laughs> sliders or anything like that. <laughs> Make it real noisy for y'all. We are quickly approaching two hours. So. It's, uh, oh it's probably gosh. getting about to the end of this podcast, huh? We're getting uh, to that hour. We're, we're, getting fall getting off our we're moving to the couches. <laughs> we got couches right back here. Let's go. What do you guys want people to know about Northern Row that you think they don't know? Uh, give me two hours. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Two more. <laughs> no, we we just. Uh, I think uh, we just welcome everybody to come down here. I mean, it's a, uh, it's really a sort of a celebration of Cincinnati. Cincinnati's uh, long history. Um, it's just come in, talk with the staff, enjoy yourself, try our try our beers, try our spirits as they roll out, and. Uh, and let us know how you feel about it. I mean, it's it's really uh, it's it's all about. It's like the food scene in Cincinnati. We're on the beer scene. Please let us know. We just love to experiment and uh, have fun. You will not find another tap room in the city right now that um, pays homage to the uh, the history of um, what this neighborhood was. Then you will right here. I mean, Moreline does a great job, but their tap room's not open right hey, now. Hey, we got a really <laughs> long shuffleboard table. So if you get really bored, you have a you know? great shuffleboard table. <laughs> Some really great couches. Um, just the, the he- uh, heaviest drinking tables in town. They weigh four thousand pounds each. <laughs> the detail in here is um, is is pretty awesome. Like there, again, there are not there are not other tap rooms that can compare to this everything from the lights that are above 
the bar back there. What, uh, Those know, are there's, Cincinnati Gardens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just there's I have so many questions about things around yeah. here. Yeah, the well, Beatles played underneath there. <laughs> the, the Royals, uh, hockey. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was an ex ex grad, so we saw basketball circus when I was little. So yeah, it, it really anything we can sort of find or have found, um, we tried to repurpose or give another life to. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of neat stuff. The doors in here, you look at all the wooden doors. They're from like the uh, courthouse up in Sandusky. They were, you, you, I don't know. We can go on for hours and hours about the different things, but you got to come it's, down here to get it's the cool. story. You you really need to get down here to see sure. where those places. And I'll say more than anything, like, you know, history is a a huge part of what we're what we're doing here. But uh, more than anything, we're excited to kind of join the ranks of the you know the Cincinnati craft beer community and. Yeah. Kind of offer something, offer something, uh, you know, kind of unique and our own brand and, you know, use that as a, as a platform to kind of, you know, boost us all up and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of make this, make this city, uh, a, a blip on the, on the radar of, uh, national beer tourism, we're which I think, we're so I close. think we're so close. We're so yes, close. exactly. We're, uh, we've got oh, the heritage, boy. we have the creativity, <laughs> We have a numerous uh, number of, of people that have their own unique ideas and visions and are, are making quality products. Technically great, uh, no, creatively no fantastic. Spe- you know, yeah, we get into arguments all the time as to who the favorite brewery is in town. You know, it shifts um, and changes. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. But they all have their own character. And I love that about it. You know, people say, what's your favorite brewery? It depends what I want. Yeah. And, you know, each one brings their own special part of you know their ethos to us and i and i love that and i mean it's i can tell you where to go if you want the best sours in town i can tell you you know it's just it's exciting and it's it's all part of uh the whole cincinnati beer scene and we really have a neat vibrant community for that we're we're very lucky that as places keep opening and, and and keep growing and keep changing that 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 separation, I guess, is still happening around town. Like everybody still has their thing and their their personality, and that's that's a hard thing to do. And and it's um, a handshake industry. And I I have to say, you know, I'll say being a latecomer to this, while coming out of another industry that was very much a handshake industry, and I loved it, and I I cherished that. And when I found that in the distilling and the brewery side of things, it's. It's, it's hard to explain that, but long ago, that's how all businesses worked. And it was, yeah. you know, the breweries aren't, they're not adversaries. It's not, you don't find that in other industries. They love to sort of collaborate. They love to uh, experience the expression that everyone puts together. And I think that's, that's really, uh, that's kudos to the industry and uh, to all the beer drinkers, to all the brewers that are coming up with just great stuff all across the city. It's it's fantastic. Just waiting for the big crunch on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seven-layer dip. ASMR, <laughs> folks. This is a corn tortilla chip with cheese, salsa, lettuce, and uh, probably some baked beans and, uh, and a whisker. ground beef. And this is Sensi Brewcast. <laughs> um, if I, I would say, if you haven't been down to uh, Northern Row, get down here. But uh, things are so crazy right now. You probably haven't been here, so come down here. Come down here and see 
um, what they're all about because I think you have to be here to uh, to really experience it. Uh, Cincy Brewcast, Voices Cincy Craft.